Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Pamela Askew. We're going to have her come on and talk about when did she know it was time for her uh, to become an educational uh, consultant? She's had many different roles uh, in that capacity. We're also going to be talking about what makes someone a good entrepreneur or educational consultant. We're going to talk about her company, the work that she's doing uh, as well. So I'm excited to hear about those sessions and, and training and workshops. So for those who will be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Citrus, Spotify, and Audible, will you please introduce yourself, Pamela? Yes. Hello, everyone. I am Pamela Askew, and I am a 30-year uh, educator. I've worked in the capacity from teacher, and I ended my career as a principal of a K-12 school, but I also was a principal uh, for an elementary school, a middle school, and a K-8 school. My K-12 school was a single gender uh, school for all females, and it was a wonderful way to end my career before I started becoming an education consultant. So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. What did you think you would be doing when you were growing up? And what called you to the field of education? Well, strangely as it may seem, um, I wanted to be a pathologist. Um, after losing my mother at a very young age, I was always intrigued on uh, how our internal clocks can mirror opposite of our chronological age. Unfortunately, my inability to overcome my nausea <laughs> during the labs uh, led me to another direction, which was education. I had a love of reading and writing. I had phenomenal um, college professors, two very strong African-American female teachers in high school. School. So it was only natural for me to walk into the field of education where I now know that that was my purpose. Mm. So talk to me about when the idea of starting a business came up. What should educators know before taking that leap? Well, I always thought about um, consulting as a second uh, form of income while in the field of education. Uh, I was one who was considered a resource for my school district. So I was presenting, I presented on the state and national level. So it gave me a background of what it would be like to be a consultant. But after retiring in 2019, I realized that that was the time because I had uh, the actual physical time to dedicate to a business. Uh, starting out a business is risky. 
uh, you have to have a source of income to sustain you while you're trying to build that business. So if you're in the field of education now and you're thinking about consulting as maybe a second career, this would be a good time to do it because you have a viable source of income. Also, uh, growing a business is very time consuming. You have to have the time to live, eat, dream and breathe that business. Without that, then your business will not be successful. You want to always put out good products. There are many uh, consulting consultants out in the field today, but all products, as we know, are not good products. Being one who has sat in many professional development um, sessions. How many times have educators found themselves uh, doodling on a piece of paper, checking their cell phone, because that product was just not what they needed. So having a good product every time is very important. Also, uh, there's uh, websites. If you're an educator and you are, um, you have an area of expertise that you want to share, create a website. Invite others to interact with that website. And then there's the legal part of it. Your licensing, um, you must get the, um, the uh, ID number for your business. You must have a separate bank account for your business, and you need a strong business plan. Those are the things that for a person who's just entering the field that you will learn and it will help you to be a step of others once you have those things in place. So having experience, not in the classroom, but in school leadership where you have that track record with budgeting as well as you know being able to bring in consultants uh into your own school uh to work with teachers how has those experience or habits uh made you a better educational consultant well my classroom experience of course uh, brought me closer to the students uh, to know exactly what is happening in the delivery of instruction, how those students are responding to that delivery of instruction. I was um, what they call now, there wasn't a name for it back when I was doing it, but I was always an instructional leader. So I was just not a principal. I would go into the classrooms and deliver model lessons on new strategies that I felt that would help streamline the um, educational process for that educator in the classroom. And also because we all know that the children today are so far advanced, so far more advanced than we were at their age. But unfortunately, we're still delivering instruction in the same way. So when you think of why we lose students, why students are less engaging, and it's because of the delivery of instruction. So as um, 
an educator in both the classroom and outside of the classroom, I had the opportunity to have those type of conversations with students and ask them, what would you like to see in your lesson? And from that, I was able to model lessons to show my teachers, especially my veteran teachers who may be a little less likely to use technology. It's all right to use that cell phone in the classroom lesson. It's okay. Many of your uh, teachers who are just coming out of college, they're more comfortable with that mindset. So getting teachers to understand that we are dealing with students who have um, the capacity to gain knowledge now and quickly. So when we're belaboring that lesson and they doze off in the middle, many times it's because that we are not providing the type of instruction that they need. And you mentioned um, about having the experience as a principal. What school leaders need to understand is that they are operating every department within a school district under the one roof of a school, because you are dealing with HR issues. You are dealing with operational issues, curriculum, payroll, fundraisers, partnerships. These are all things that a school leader is, is responsible for, but in a school district, they're all separate departments. So you're already coming to the table with a stronger skill set to walk into this path of consulting. So you, you created your company, uh, Education Impact Services. What are the type of uh, training or workshops do you offer? Well, my company is uh, unique in itself where we provide customized professional uh, development for school leaders and teachers. And what I mean by customized, I remember sitting in uh, many workshop sessions and that particular uh, strategy or information that was being presented was not information that I needed. I'm either, I already had a grasp on that particular strategy or it was just something that it didn't fit my needs at that time. So what's different with my company is that we go into the school uh, district or school building and we have a consultation with that school leader to develop what we call a needs assessment. And from that needs assessment, we design the training around the needs of that school because one size does not fit all. Despite what people may say, it does not fit all. So we are targeting what is um, exactly needed within that particular school. My sessions are in packages of two to three day highly interactive trainings. We want people to be engaged in the process, not just sitting down taking notes. So you look, you're looking at um, a full day session, which could be six hours or a half day session, which is um, would be three hours. And each training package is followed by uh, contact hours. So we don't, we don't just come in 
and present to you. And then we move on to our next school. We stay with you for a period of time to make sure that that training becomes second nature to you. So we call that contact hours. And it doesn't matter if you're in the state where we live or if we had to travel to another state, just like we're doing today through Zoom, those contact hours can always happen. And they have proven to be beneficial and most appreciated by those school leaders and teachers who we have gone in and trained. So how did you design your sessions to target the needs of people? Because earlier in the interview, you mentioned how you've been on the receiving end of just sitting there and sessions are, you're just going like, okay, I, I'm here. You know, the principal told me to be here at, uh, doing my PLC time here. And, you know, you're just like, okay, whatever. Uh, I've had, I've delivered sessions like that, quite honestly, uh, not consulting wise, but with my own job as an instructional technologist, principal books me all day. And I've gone and I've gone into sessions where I've seen teachers grading papers (laughs) and I'm like, oh, well, it's going to be one of those days. Uh, But taking from that experience that you had, I know you mentioned you do a needs assessment, but how did you, how do you take that information and then create a specialized package? to work with students so that it is beneficial for them and not them just feeling like I'm here because I was told I needed to be here. What I have been very fortunate to align myself with some very talented educators and one uh, individual, he is not an educator, but he has a business who works directly with students with special needs. So what we have come uh, to the table with is a wealth of experience in multiple areas that affects today's educators. So through the needs assessments, we have narrowed it down to 10 critical areas that have affected every educator in one way or another. So through that 10-point system, any need within a school that has occurred within a school year, usually 99% of the time will fall within that 10-point system that we have developed. And through that, we look at uh, the learning habits of adults. It's very different, as you already attest, it's very different when you're teaching adults as opposed to teaching uh, students. The adult learner is already coming to the table with preconceived notions based on past experiences. So we start off with self-care because before an educator can be receptive to what it is that you need to deliver, they need to learn how to let go of the past, take off that extra book bag that they have been carrying around so that they can be open to what it is that you're trying to um, work with them. On. So we start off with self-care and my, um, my person, my, and she's um, 
I am a sole proprietor, but I contract these individuals when I go into schools. So one individual uh, who is contracted uh, is a clinical psychologist. And so she understands that self-care component that many educators forget when they're trying to work within this field of education. We have seen over the past 15 years how the field of education has changed. It is probably outside of a police officer in medicine, uh, one of the most stressful jobs that there is on this planet. It's not the job that it used to be because there are other uh, issues that come into play that takes the joy of teaching and learning out of the hands of the educator. Since you've been an educational consultant, uh, what have you learned about the field of education that surprised you since you had since you've had the experience of actually being in the classroom and leading a school. I don't know if it was so much. Uh, well, the biggest surprise was um, what has happened this past year or so with COVID. I had in January of 2020. I had three very nice contracts on the table and those contracts uh, never came to life because schools were closed. So what I've learned uh, being new in the business of consulting and being a new business owner is that you can prepare, but there may be something that will halt what you are trying to do and you have to have a plan B. So many of the, um, the, the trainings that should have taken place that didn't take place allowed me time to go back to the table and redesign the work that I do. What has surprised me, Will, is that the traditional, the structure of traditional public schools have not changed. After all of these years, I would have thought that understanding the needs of the student because students learn differently than the way that we learned. Their engagement with the information is different than how we engage with information, but we're still teaching them the same way that we learned. So what we have to understand in the field of education is that today's students are interactive, they are curiosity driven, and they, believe, they are team oriented. They like working with their peers. So until we design our classrooms to work around that need, five years from now, if we have this conversation, it won't surprise me that the traditional public schools are still using the same method of delivering instruction. So that's probably the most surprising. I have had the opportunity 
to travel to other countries, really on vacation. And I have always made it a point to visit the school. And what I'm finding in many of our other countries and countries that really that we would perceive to be um, maybe more uh, poverty stricken countries, that the way that they engage with information is just what I described. It's interactive, it's curiosity driven, it's team oriented. So when we look at why, uh, as a, when you look at uh, you know the traditional student in American schools versus you know students who may come from other countries, and you wonder how they may be more superior when it comes to math and science. It goes back to that engagement with the information that we are not teaching here in our, our schools. We still want students to listen, sit, be quiet. Instead of noise, sometimes noise is a good thing because it means that there's life in that classroom, there's interaction, there's engagement, there's minds you know, that are thinking and thinking out loud. And that's really what you want to see in the classroom. And through the training that my company provides, we help teachers to feel comfortable with that type of chaos within the classroom. All chaos is not bad chaos when it comes to learning. So you, you mentioned COVID uh, and I know, you know, friends and people who do this work had that sort of similar experience of yes. the first, you know, I don't know, five, six months. Yes. It was like, okay, all of this stuff was planned to go face to face. Yes. What do I do? And then schools started saying, hey, let's do this virtually. Conferences started saying, let's do a virtual conference. And, uh, you know, some educational consultants actually made that pivot to go online and start to deliver trainings and sessions. I mean, that's what I did. Uh, it, it was awesome for me to to do the work to work with teachers and not have to leave my house and still get that check so it was awesome <laughs> for me to do it uh but how were you in addition to going and back and sort of and, and revamping what you, what you were doing how did you take advantage of this switch to online this switch to digital to maybe become more agile or scale your business well, I learned a lot <laughs> this year with uh, technology, just as you stated, uh, really um, immersing myself in how to make my trainings uh, more engaging when you're, like you said, when you're at home, you're sitting uh, in front of a, a group of individuals. So what I did was I became more of a resource for those who were already doing it so that I could learn from them on to how to make these type of sessions more interactive. I was at a standstill for, like you said, five to, to 
to seven months trying to, because my, my design is highly interactive. So I ended up um, going into places like Clubhouse and becoming, uh, you know, one of the very active participants in Clubhouse, learning how to pull the audience in. So I really went back to school, so to speak, with those who were more versed in this area than I was. And so I learned from those individuals on how to make uh, the shift from the face-to-face to the virtual. So what I have done, um, I have not been able to uh, secure those big contracts yet. I'm in talks right now with three school districts on getting back to uh, the contracts that were on the table at the beginning of 2020. So those are going to happen. Um, So as far as me conducting my own training, We did not actually do that because when you're dealing with students with special needs, you need to be there with the educator to be able to um, work with them on specific areas of difficulty or challenges that those educators are experiencing. So we were really learning how to do this thing and make that shift. So I came away with how to now engage my audience through this uh, platform of digital, you know, conferencing. So by, um, I've been working with school leaders, school leaders are a little less demanding than your classroom teacher. You're like you said, that classroom teacher is going to have the screen on, put it on stop video, And then they're trying to work with their children who are also at home. So in my field, it did not, it wasn't a seamless transition because many parents are teachers and they had their own children at home that they had to educate while these schools were closed. So I primarily worked with the school leaders. So I want to get into business development and sort of the process of building a successful business uh, because when anyone sort of starts out in this journey, there are multiple ways that you can do this. And even looking at your LinkedIn profile, I saw where you do have your business, but you've also done work where you were contracted out uh, with, a, with a company. And so for those who are thinking about becoming an educational consultant, you could very well, there could be, like in our state, we have something called uh, Bailey Educational Consulting, where they could just contract it, contract you out as a 1099 employee to fulfill a contract that they've signed with the school district. So you don't necessarily, you don't work for that company. Yes. They just, they may say, hey, I need you for uh, six months. And for those six months, you know, they'll send you wherever they want to Uh, send you or the same thing could be with uh, Canvas or Microsoft or whatever they say hey you know I'm going to contract you out for the next six months or for the next year and you'll be going out to these schools delivering these trainings and you also have the option of creating your own uh, company like you have. When you are looking to 
decide, you know, how am I going to do this? And you're looking at various resources on how to create a company and to make sure everything is not only legal, but things, but that you have processes in place, right? So that you can take on clients and make money and possibly, again, as you have done, contract out to other people to get that help that you need. Where did you learn how to do all of that? Well, first of all, um, there are many resources out there. I worked with a company called Zen Business. And for a small fee, uh, they handled all of the registration, the licensing, uh, my compliance um, issues, filing with the state as an LLC. So those are things that I took off of my plate and gave them to someone else so that I could focus on the building of the business. The other thing there, um, there's the Small Business Development Center, which uh, at no cost, they provide consulting for small business owners. So you would actually, um, uh, no cost or low fee, because there are some trainings that are at a um, you know very small fee, but it will be worth it if that's the area that you need uh, support in. Also, um, there's one that I really stand by is SCORE. And SCORE is one of the largest um, free volunteer small business mentorship in the nation. And you can go on this website and you can find a mentor who will uh, counsel you free of charge on a variety of areas and wherever um, point you are within your business. So you can find a mentor that would be available who will help guide you through that process. The one thing about starting a business is that uh, if you have never done it before, there are a lot of mistakes that you can make along the way that can either uh, shut you down <laughs> within a few months or give you that, um, that, that strength to keep going until your business is profitable. Um, there are also many other uh, free tools on the internet that you can find for business startup. But you mentioned something earlier when you said that uh, you have to find multiple sources of income when you're a consultant. So you're absolutely right. I also am a consultant for uh, the teachers for um, the Center for Teacher Effectiveness. So they contract me as um, you know opportunities arise. So that's another source of income that's outside of my own business. And also as educators, something that they don't think about, you are a wealth of resources within your own um, uh, job skill set. So I write ebooks on various strategies and publish those through Amazon free of charge. And that is another source of income that uh, people purchase your ebooks 
And so you have a steady revenue coming in and all teachers have a toolbox of strategies or good lessons that they have within their repertoire. So you can change that into an ebook format, publish it, and there's another source of income. Also, I would say we'll, um, looking at my notes here, if you are, in my case, I left the field of education. So when you are leaving a field, you have to make sure that you have a source of income. Because as you know, starting a business, it takes time for you to begin to reap those benefits from that business. But if you're still in the classroom, this is an excellent time for you to do some type of consulting because you have that source of income and you won't have to worry about, uh, you know, the reality of life, of paying bills and taking care of your family because you still have that source of income coming in while you're pursuing yet another part of your journey. You can begin by speaking at conferences. Your state, comp, your state always has some type of educational conference where you can begin to speak and um, get your name out there before you actually step into the business part of it. Also national conferences, they're always looking for speakers and people who want to share great strategies with educators, be a part of that comment on blogs, write reviews for books, be active, get your name out there so that people will know who you are and what you bring to the table before you step into that, the business realm of, of the uh, situation so that people will say, oh yes, I remember her. She spoke at our state conference, you know, maybe I can bring her into our school or our district to provide that training for us. So get your name out there, start doing that now while you're in the classroom. And that doesn't take a lot of your time away to maybe, um, you know, most teachers have downtime uh, during the different breaks and look on the webs on your state website and see if there are any uh, conferences or trainings going, going on where you can take part and just get your name out there. All right. All right. So before we go, what is your, what is the best piece of advice that you've received from another entrepreneur? And what is your advice for those educators who are interested in becoming consultants? The best piece of advice that I received was network, network, network. You have to let people know that you are here. If you have a business and a website and no one knows that you exist, then all, of, all you have is a business and a website. So whether it's going to one of your um, professional, you know, a lot of schools have these big productions at the beginning of the school year. So have your uh, business cards ready, pass them out. It's, it's appropriate. 
let your superintendent know that these are things that you are doing so that they will know that you are a resource to that district and they can call on you to do various things within your own district or within your own school. Let your principal know that these are areas of expertise that I have and I would like to share them with my colleagues. You're looking at staff meetings, which usually take place in my state, it was Wednesdays. So every Wednesday, you could become part of that agenda, which also provides another valuable resource for that principal. And it also allows that principal to be seen as the type of school leader that taps into the skill set of his or her um, staff and building the capacity of his or her staff, which is a positive thing for that school leader. Also be prepared. Mm -hmm. There's nothing worse than going to a training where that presenter was not prepared. Let's face it, Will, we know that they know when we are not prepared. Winging it is not a part of consulting. Know what you're talking about, be confident in what you're sharing with your audience, and that's how you keep them engaged and you want positive feedback when you leave. That positive feedback uh, builds your reputation reputation as a consultant in this field. So I'm not, you know, you will not get 100% positive feedbacks from individuals. Depending on the kind of day that individual may be having, you may just be the target for that day. But you should have the majority of your feedback coming from your audience to be uh, favorable. And that can determine whether or not you will be asked to return to that school district or that school to provide follow-up training. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Pamela, for coming on the show. Thank you, Will. I enjoyed this. Awesome. Now, people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode will be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. I need you to subscribe and share with your network. And though I am on all major podcast platforms, I'm trying to grow on Apple Podcasts. Uh, so please share, please listen, and leave your comments because I'm trying to get Oprah on the show and I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Pamela Askew, for coming on and dropping so many gems. And I'd like to thank you again for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show the mobile university for entrepreneurs. As always, people, invest in you. EDU, peace.